today, I am reading from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so encouraged by that text. We're encouraged by this letter that Paul wrote to the Roman church um, explaining who you are and that your love is deeper and more extravagant and more full and perfect than anything we could ever imagine. So God, I pray that you remind us of that today. Um, open up our hearts and our minds to not only hear it, but to feel it and to believe it. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So for a while now, we've been in the book of Romans. Um, it's actually been since the beginning of June. Can you believe it? We have been working through this letter for quite some time now. Um, and it's been challenging. It's been exciting. It's been tiring. And it's been really eye-opening. Um, last week, I was able to be in Washington at a week of prayer at Auburn Adventist Academy. And this is my home school. That's where I went to school all four years. So I was able to connect with a lot of mentors, a lot of friends um, that moved out to the area, a lot of pastors. And I was able to connect with one of my pastor friends who is actually a part of the Global Resource Collective with us. And so his church has also been going along the same preaching plan, has been going through the book of Romans as well with us. And so I was able to talk with him, and he kind of shared that same thing, like, whew, Romans, like we've really been digging in deep with it. Um, and so we had an incredible um, vegan Thai meal, and over that we discussed um, this emotional roller coaster that is the letter to the Romans by Paul. And so I'm not sure if you've noticed this as we've been um, reading, preaching through the daily walk through the scripture, but it feels as if Paul isn't always talking to us or maybe not even always talking to the Romans. Sometimes it feels like Paul is just talking to Paul. And you're going to notice this because Paul asks many questions in this section of scripture and then follows up with his very own answer. He loves that style of writing. Um, and so 
we want to learn more about his approach in this. And so Paul's style of writing kind of takes us to this place where it's like a mountaintop and then he drops you down to the valley. We've seen him be very emotional, very full, very exciting, um, and very stressed out at times. The approach of spending so many weeks in the series of Romans almost seems counterintuitive to our church culture, right? We tend to pick a section of scripture or pick a few verses and pick what we like out of it, right, and find a good message out of it. But here we're getting a holistic approach to the scripture. We're taking Romans by storm and we're learning quite a few things. And so a few things I want to point out to you about this letter to Romans and why it's so important that we've been going through it so holistically. First of all, this was a letter, wasn't just a book, there weren't chapters and verses yet, and it was read to be whole, at, in its whole in its entirety at one point in time. Because back then, Paul didn't have a fancy copy machine like we do at the church, right? Except for this week, the copy machine decided to just completely quit. So kids, we're gonna pause right now. Do you have your coloring sheets? Hold them up nice and high. Okay, I see grams, oh, I see quite a few. Do you notice something different about them today? Yeah, they're in black and white. They're not in color. So I have a challenge for you today. I'm going to have you guys color them in as much as possible. And if you have the most colored piece of paper, I will have a fruit snack for you after church. So we're going to color them in. So Paul didn't have a fancy copy machine that even sometimes, although it breaks, we just have to settle for black and white right? Um, he didn't have an emailing system like we do with the Daily Walk, right? Where he could have sent this letter out to thousands of people around the world. And he didn't have a time to just airdrop a PDF, right? Like we can do now. This letter was read in community. It was read out loud and it was read all at once. There were not chapters and verses that people could pick out and just take what they liked. Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, and they read it together. The second thing is we learn more about the bigger picture. Paul breaks down Jesus' death on the cross and the implications that it has for the Church of Rome and the implications that it has for us today. He takes us full circle, sometimes more than once. It's kind of like, how many of you guys have seen that Ring of Fire ride at the fair? Yeah, sometimes I feel like that's what reading Romans is like. You feel like you're gonna go around the circle and then you just kind of stop midway and then you come back around this way. And so um, that's Paul. And I feel like I've just gone in a circle sometimes. We've also learned that Paul himself struggles. He struggles with understanding this love of God and this, what the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus means for him today. He says it and then he struggles and wrestles through it and we get to see that. And I don't know about you, but it's given me peace to know that Paul struggled. Um, and it's not just this misery loves company kind of thing, but a peace to know, like, it's okay to not always understand completely. It's okay to sometimes struggle. And like Paul said, I want to live according to the spirit, but all I do is live according to the flesh, right? To know we're not the only ones. Paul exposes his own struggles and vulnerability in the letter to the Romans, and yet he can still exclaim the words to remember for this week. 
For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor anything present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Working through the book of Romans has challenged me. And so I don't always preach. Um, I'm not preaching every week or writing the reflections for Daily Walk every week. But how I've been working through the book of Romans has been through the eyes of a five-year-old, through the eyes of an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 17-year-old, Myself, the elders, um, the Camp Sanitas teachers and assistants, Zan Long and her team in Australia have all been working through this complex letter that Paul wrote, trying to break it down for it to make sense to all of us and to make sense in the eyes of a kid or a teenager. It's challenged me, and I really hope it's challenging you too. Albert Einstein once said, if you can't explain it simply, you just don't know it well enough. And so now I know that some of you might be thinking, are you going to make us do a craft during church right now? Are we all going to have to go to a Camp Sanitas Connect group today? No, don't worry. We're not going to do a craft right now, but what you do in your own time is completely up to you. Um, but today I do want to explain this section of Romans in the best way that I know how, and that's simply. So we're going to break this down and take it chunk by chunk. So if you want to grab a pew Bible or your phone or your own Bible that you brought, we're going to be starting in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. So if you want to pull that up, um, and feel free in your pew Bibles if you want to write, underline, um, take it home with you. If you don't have a Bible yet, we'd love to do that for you. So we begin in verse 31 of Romans chapter 8. Paul writes, what then shall we say to these things? So hold on, we're starting in the middle of this section. So what are these things that Paul's talking about? And to understand what he's saying, we have to refer back to the previous text. And so for me, I wasn't here last week. I was preaching at Auburn Academy Church. And so if you're like me, you had to watch it online. I had to go back onto the website. Um, and so if you missed last week, I really encourage you to go back go onto boulderchurch.com, click on sermons, and go watch Pastor J. Fitt's sermon from last week so you can understand more in depth what he's saying. Um, my dad watches online every week, um, and so that's, I get sweet texts from him. Sometimes he's like, wow, you look really tired today. I'm like, mm, yeah, I do. I might <laughs> got up early this morning. Um, so J. Fitt broke down the text last week, and I really encourage you to go check that out. But the things that Paul is referring to um, go back a few verses. Paul is talking about being foreknown and predestined by God. He's saying in the past verse, we are called, we are justified, and we are glorified. So Paul asks one of his famous questions, what should we say about these things? And so he's saying, what should we say about being called, about being justified, about being glorified by God? And then, of course, like Paul, he decides to answer his own question, what should we say to these things? We should say, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's a pretty famous verse, and it's a very powerful comforter, in my opinion. Um, but I worry that this verse has sometimes been used more of a tool against others or situations that we feel like are opposing us, rather than a reminder that we are called, justified, and glorified. 
Over the years, I've realized I've horribly misused this text. I've used it almost as a clobbering text. Like if someone's frustrating me or being mean to me or a situation's being horrible, I can quote, well, God's for me, so he's against this situation or this person. So in other words, if God's for me, he's against you because you're against me, right? Sometimes we forget that the life, the ministry of Jesus he was more for things than he was against things. He was for the sick. He was for the sinners. He was for the hungry, for the kids, for the women. When the Pharisees came to fight Jesus, right, or trip him up on his words and try and trap him, Jesus would simply quote scripture and tell them what he was for. He didn't have to point out their corrupt theology or point out what was wrong with it or say, I don't agree with you, I'm against that, I'm against this. He shared what was true and what was good and that was enough to shed light on their own negativity. So when we say God is for us, who else is he for? He's for the sick, for the hungry, for the hurting, for the needy. And if we are called to be like Jesus, we need to start showing who and what we are for more so than the things that we are against. Because if God is for us, nothing can stand against us. That's not something we have to worry about. When we focus on who is for us rather than the things or situations that are against us, we can thrive and we ourselves can be for more people. Paul goes on to say, God didn't even spare his own son but rather he gave him up for us all. How will he not also graciously give us all things? Now the struggle we have here is one that I think many parents face. You want to give your kids all good things, right? If you're a parent, you know that. I hope so. Um, being a parent, there isn't any good thing that you're gonna try and hold back from your kids, right? You don't wanna keep something from them. And the same here is with God. Paul says it. He says, God gave us Jesus to die on the cross to save us. Why would he take anything else away from you or hold anything else back from you if he gave you the biggest thing he could give you? But it's the parent's struggle, right? Because the kid doesn't always know what's good for them. Can I have ice cream for dinner instead of broccoli, right? How many of you guys have gotten that question before? Huh? Okay. Or, you know, I'm not really feeling school today. I don't think I really need to go, right? Like, you know, one day or two weeks, you know, it's not gonna make a difference. Or can I have a pet tiger or a pet tarantula or a pet snake? None of those things would be allowed in my house. Or if you are a parent of teenagers, why do I have to have a curfew? Why do I have to be accountable or text you back if it's 10 o'clock at night? Um, growing up in my house, the question was always about the junk food. My mom is all about the organic, GMO, or non-GMO, non-sugar, non-artificial flavors or colors, no fun kind of diet, right? And she recently informed me that there's actually a difference. Um, have any of you guys, if you buy organic, there's a green organic label and there is a black organic label. And so apparently there's levels of being organic and one is better than the other. So I don't know what they are because I don't care. Um, but if you want to know, I can find out that information for you. <laughs> 
So yeah, she's very into it. She told me all about these different things. Um, but needless to say, I grew up in a very healthy home. Um, when I would pack school lunches, none of the kids wanted to trade with me because I had like raw almonds and cashews and they had like the fruit by the foot and I really wanted that. It never happened. Um, so when we'd go to the grocery store, she would tell me like, hey, go run over to the cereal aisle and pick out your cereal for the week. And I was like, all right, like this sounds good. So I'd run to the cereal aisle and usually I'd come back with something like Fruit Loops because they're delicious. And I would just kind of like, I kind of knew the game. So I started instead of presenting it to her, like here's what I chose, I would just kind of like sneak it in the cart like while she's grabbing something else. I never walked out of the store with Fruit Loops. She always caught me. And I would usually end up leaving with something more like Weetabix. So how many Weetabix? Oh yes, that stuff's actually not that bad. I have learned to love it. But much like a kid and a parent, it's kind of how we interact with God. Sometimes the things that we're asking for seem like a good idea in the moment, but he knows what's best for us. Many of us have asked God for something that looking back for, we're thankful we didn't receive. Paul is reminding us that much like kids have to have faith in their parents that a pet tiger, no curfew, or pure ice cream and sugar for dinner isn't always the best idea. We need to have faith that God won't hold, withhold those same things from us. He won't withhold good things from us, that he has our best interest at heart. Again, much like a child and parent, God is fiercely protecting you and I. Paul says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So to follow the parent-child metaphor a little bit more, I wanna ask the question, has anyone ever told you how to parent? Oh yeah, I know all the parents. I just met with um, Christina Rettler the other day and she was saying, oh, just the most advice you're ever gonna get is when you're about to have a kid and then everyone wants to tell you how to do it. And for those of us who aren't parents, has anyone ever told you how to do something that is none of their business, right? Maybe your job, maybe how you're doing something. Yeah, it's not fun, it's not something we like. It's annoying and it's frustrating. And so here we find Paul saying, no one can bring a charge against you. That is God's job, that's not, your, that's not their job, that's not where they should be sticking their noses in. But when we believe that for ourselves, we must also believe it for others. That means that our judgment of others is poking our noses where they don't belong. It means that they are the annoying lady in the grocery store line telling you how to manage your child's um, little crying fit because you won't buy them every kind of candy that's displayed just so conveniently right as you're leaving. Paul continues on with his questions and answers back and forth. He says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. But for real, who can condemn you when Jesus is the one interceding for you? I can't imagine why we would think anyone could do that. Paul continues on, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? So the question I'm asking you is, what do you currently feel like is separating you from the love of Christ? Here Paul lists some things that would hit home for people who are in the church of Rome. Persecution, famine, a sword. 
So what's something that would hit home with you? Could it be an ongoing fight with a loved one or a friend? Could it be a sickness or a disease for yourself or a family member? Could it be your schooling or your career? Could it be yourself? In his very open and vulnerable letter, Paul has written to the Church of Rome, we can sense his own angst and struggle with understanding this all-inclusive love that Jesus has for him. It wasn't but a few weeks ago that we heard Paul exclaim, oh, wretched man am I. Paul struggled. There is almost comfort knowing that who has given, this guy who has given us such incredible sound theology in his letters to churches, um, and he has given such great explanation to the Bible, also struggles with it at times. He struggles to connect it in his heart and in his mind. When we think of the things that can make us feel as if we're separated from God's love, could one of those be ourselves? For me, um, that's the thing that I think gets in the way a lot. I am a very type A, very perfectionist kind of person, and when things don't go the way that I think they should go, it stresses me out, it makes me anxious, um, it drives me to like panic attacks, and sometimes I let that be something that gets in the way of me and God's love, right? Because I wanna be in control of it, I wanna take care of it, I want to be I, 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 right? But the thing is, even you can't get in the way of God's love. Who can judge, who can define, not even ourselves, only Jesus. Our idea of victory often looks very different from God's idea and his true definition of victory. Paul quotes back um, to the Psalms in this text saying, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But then he says, no, we're not regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. This is not the way. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So the Greek word here, and Jackie texted me about it last night too. She said, oh, did you know about this? And I said, yeah, it's in here. Um, the Greek word here for more than conquerors is hooper, hyper, nikaio, right? And what that means is it's a definition of being beyond, that hyper, we are more than conquerors, we are beyond conquerors, we are surpassing conquering. God doesn't want you to settle for average or mediocre. He wants to take you beyond that. He wants you to surpass that, to surpass victory in the bigger picture of things. So what are the things that God wants to make you more than a conqueror in today? Is there something that you're settling for that's just mediocre or average in your life? And are you brave enough to surpass that, to be more than a conqueror, to go beyond things being just okay or the status quo and be more than a conqueror to surpass that idea of victory? To the naked eye, Paul didn't look like much of more than a conqueror. He gave up huge aspects of his life, including his career at times, to travel and to preach Jesus. He had people who hated him. He had people throwing him in jail. And this dude even got a venomous snake bite. He had a tough 
life. He did not seem like he was conquering or winning at life or being more than a conqueror nonetheless. But yet Paul calls himself more than a conqueror, surpassing conqueror. Being more than a conqueror surpasses what our circumstances look like to the naked eye. Our words to remember this week tell us that nothing can separate us from God's love. And so coming back to the craft, um, I was trying to think what would be a really good thing, right, for um, a craft for this verse. And I thought we would have to use glitter because glitter does not ever, ever leave. Have any of you guys used glitter in a classroom? Oh, Harper has, and my office has glitter forevermore. Um, the carpet does. But it's so great. There was actually a video on kids' ministry, I follow a bunch of different pastors and leaders, and it said, you know, this is how you use glitter in your children's ministry at church. And this person takes out a big jar of glitter and sets it on the table, another jar of glitter, you know, and just starts adding like all these big containers of glitter. And then all of a sudden you see him grab a trash can and just swoop it off into the trash can. I thought, well, that's one way of doing it for sure. But the thing is you can't get rid of glitter. You can't get rid of God's love. In our words to remember, we're learning about what that means of God's love. Um, this past year, I've learned a lot about love. What's up, Kiefer? Um, I, apparently, we're getting married next week, so that's just stressing me out even more. Um, no, it's a month. Um, but I've learned a lot about love this past year. Um, and in a month, we're going to make vows to say that nothing's going to separate us from the love for each other. But even in the vows, it says, what? Till death do us part. So there's something that can get in the way of that, right? There's an obstacle or a situation or a circumstance that can get in the way of that. Paul here is saying there is nothing, not even death, that can separate us from God's love. Now remember, everything was written together, and this is charged as our capstone text. Everything we've talked about has boiled up to this point. The past four months of going through Romans on this ring of fire, right, has boiled up to us thinking, well, what? What can separate us from God's love? Paul says, remember when I said I was stressed about living in the flesh? Remember when I was stressed about all these things and working through and boiling through and processing? Well, despite all of that, even that cannot separate me from God's love. So this week in the Daily Walk, um, on Thursday, I shared about my fourth grade science class. I learned a lot in this class. There were some moments that really just stick with you because it was a sheer light bulb moment. And this was one of my light bulb moments. Um, we were talking about mixtures and solutions. And my class, I think we were just a little bit slow in this aspect, it took us a while. And so we were like, okay, a mixture, a solution, which is which, and we had a whole sheet of, you had to answer, is this a mixture or a solution, right? And they had like trail mix or like, you know, lemonade, all these different things. And I remember we were really struggling and finally it clicked for our class. Um, and the idea was is that a mixture is something you can separate and a solution is something you can't. So I'm gonna ask Harper to come up here. We're gonna do a little experiment for you guys. So, Harper, will you do me a favor and pour some of these candies into this bowl? All right, so let's see, we have, whoop, Mike and Ike's. 
Let's do these Skittles first. All right, do you like Skittles? Me too, go ahead and pour that into that bowl, okay? Okay. All right, great. Oh, there's more. Do you wanna try one? Later? <laughs> All right, now some M&Ms. Have any of you guys seen that thing that like the really horrible people in the world are the ones that like mix M&Ms and Skittles together? Yeah, that's what we're gonna do right now. M&Ms, all right, set that down. Ooh, Whoppers, how many Whopper fans? Yes, oh I know, all the kids are like, are we getting this afterwards? <laughs> all right, Mike and Ike's, all right, Harp, there you go. Yeah, rip that one open, okay. And last but not least, some nerds, oh. Wonderful. Now, Harper, do you mind stirring that up for me just a little bit? Can you just mix those things all together? Perfect. Now, Harper, if I asked you to grab me a Skittle, could you do that? Could you find a Skittle in there? Somewhere, let's see. What about one of those? Yeah. So we could take a Skittle out of this mixture, right? It's separable. There are things that you can take out. We could grab nerds. We could separate this all back into their same boxes, right? All right, now Harper, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna pour these in. Will you come stir in this right here? Okay, let's pour some of these peach. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> all right. So now we're gonna make some peach tea. Go ahead and stir it. All right. Now, Harper, I didn't want to put that second one in. Could you take that one back out for me? What? Harper, we need to get one out. Could you get one out for me? No, we couldn't put it back in here. Why not? Why could we take a Skittle out of there and not take the powder back out of here? because it's a solution, right? So you can go ahead and sit down. Thank you so much. Harper helps me all the time at church, so. <laughs> if I'm ever gone, you can go to her for all your questions about curriculum, camp sanitas, the whole lot. Um, the idea here is that there are times when we feel like we can be separated like a whopper from this mixture. Um, but the truth of the matter is, as God's love has already been poured into us. It's been poured in like this solution. And no matter if you feel like a candy mixture, this is your reality. Your reality is, is that God has poured his love into your life. He has mixed it in and it's a solution. It's not something that you can separate or take apart anymore or pick apart. It is, his love is there. We have to remember that the solution has been mixed. God's love is dissolved into every little crevice of our lives and it cannot be separated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so incredibly humbled that your love is a solution in our lives, that it is the solution. So God, remind us that no matter what those things might be that feel like we're separated from you, we're already mixed in. The solution is made and we cannot be separated from your love. Your love is so completely absorbed and dissolved in our lives. 
God, we praise you for your love for us, for this family, and we pray that we continue to internalize what it means to have your love never go away from us. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.